Hello everybody and welcome back to the Knockout Podcast, episode 61. Uh, yeah, well, welcome back everyone, uh, back for another week of unpacking uh, the weird and wonderful uh, in the world of MMA. Uh, we come back after a, a pretty stacked UFC 263 uh, that had uh, some some ups and downs and some, some pretty uh, interesting moments that we'll get to. Um, and we've also got... Uh, the Korean Zombie Dan Ige card to sort of flirt with a bit at the uh, towards the end, but our main focus will be um, two six three at the weekend. Um, as ever, I'm joined by Jack. Jack, what were your sort of thoughts of of two six three over the weekend? Um, hi everyone. Uh, yeah, I thought they were good. I thought it was fairly decent, to be fair. Um, really impressed or exciting in some places, and then kind of a bit weird and not so great in others. Um, but overall, I thought it was fairly solid. And I suppose like an early shout out would go to Brandon Marino's win as like a feel good moment of the year, honestly, like watching him kind of like celebrate and break down and watch the emotion pour out in the cage after he won was really, really fantastic. To be honest, I really enjoyed that. And I was like, Oh, instant fan of Brandon Marino after that. And yeah. it was a fantastic performance as well. So. It was. We'll, we'll get on to him in a second, but we may as well start with the main event. Um, Israel Adesanya defeating Marvin Vittori 50-45 uh, unanimously and comfortably across the board. Um, I mean, this sort of went how it went, although there is a few things I do want to touch on, but in terms of we didn't think uh, Vittori would perhaps have the technical and sort of strategic um, abilities to to sort of map out a win against Adesanya and it largely went to in that way you know there were some hairy moments but it, it was it was pretty comfortable for, for, for Izzy yeah it was it was um, it was a weird one that like this is probably one of those one of the fights that I was saying that was a bit like if he was like fairly comfortable and dominant throughout, but still looked not particularly impressive, um, which is weird because like the two fight or like, well, he's had a few now, but um, it's weird that two of those fights in his career, both come against Marvin Vittori. It just seems like he's got a bit of a weird kind of style for Izzy to deal with. Um, but yeah, we talked before about how Izzy's game mostly kind of, builds off of the jab and the low kick and I think he just despite having a lot of success with that he couldn't build off it like he could do in say previous fights um, and really was kind of confined to that which like I mean if it was working um, fair enough but you do want to see kind of the layers start to build up over time which they didn't really come in this fight yeah, no, I think um, I think it was an interesting one, and you did touch on it that, that I did want to to get into was was the perhaps not the complete performance that perhaps Alessandra showed against Whitaker and and, and Paolo Costa that perhaps people um, would have said on paper might might represent tougher challenges. Uh, I think probably part of that is just the the absolute just machine that Marvin Vittori is in terms of, although he did uh, look like he was getting damaged by by those kicks, uh, he did just continue to plough on and the amount of damage he could take is just uh, very impressive and and aided his ability just to sort of reset and just go again, just sort of marching down Adesanya. I think certainly one thing I wanted to touch on was... um, the the ability of Vittori to to get Adesanya to the cage, um, it was something we certainly talked about in the Costa fight. In terms of you know we know Costa loves to do his best work up against the cage, piling on those body shots, and and it was and it was something he just could not get, he could not get in into into the fight because he just, he just couldn't get him to the cage. In this in this fight with Vittori, Adesanya did find himself on on a number of occasions up against the back of the cage for, for you know, the, the first time, um, you know, on, on, on sort of a frequent occasion. The only problem was is that 
when he was there, Vittori just seemed to, uh, well, certainly was was just far too predictable in terms of the game plan was was quite clear to go for the uh, the double leg and and take him down, which I think if Alessandro has proven anything, he, he is very competent uh, anti-wrestler, especially against the fence. So interesting in one sense in terms of Alessandro was able to be forced back, but also disappointing from Vittori that, there wasn't more variety um, or or more sort of ability to get the best out of those scenarios when when he did have Adesanya backing up. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, he did it. Vittori did do quite a good job of like he really did. Like he had quite a lot of success in the first fight, double jabbing Adesanya, and he did that a lot, which was one of the main yeah, things he used to kind of push him back. And he was able to consistently force Adesanya to the cage, but as you said. Like it's a shame in a way that Paolo Costa wasn't the one. Like if you combine Paolo Costa and Vittori, you might have had something there for Adesanya, to be honest. Because Costa, when he's got other people against the cage, has been very dangerous. He's um like he hits harder than Vittori, and also like his shot selection is so much better. Vittori was literally like he double jab and then like follow him with a slow left hand that was like terrible. He like I think he I saw him like shoot like one or two body shots um but yeah like when he got Adesanya to the cage was just all straight punches nothing round nothing to the body really no no kicks either which Costa would do um so yeah it's a shame you couldn't kind of combine the skill sets of both of them and you it could have been a lot more fun both of those fights but um but yeah that's a shame but there's also Vittori did have a lot of success with it, but there is a small part of me that thinks that considering that Vittori was really heavily leaning on his wrestling, or that was his main route to success, I think, in his mind for this fight, and knowing that Adesanya's takedown defense against the cage is very, very good. However, out in open isn't particularly good. It's like a massive difference. He really has kind of like trained his takedown defense for like MMA and for the cage um, that it could possibly be like somewhat of a deliberate decision on Adesanya's part to fight purposefully with his back against the cage because he knew that it would really aid his takedown defense so I think that like Vittori did kind of like especially kind of early on kind of push him back but I think kind of later on in the fight it might have been kind of a bit purposeful on Adesanya's part to just kind of like let that happen because he he knew that by that time like late on that Vittori didn't have anything for him in the striking when he was against when his back was against the cage he knew he couldn't take him down there and he had been taken down in open space like twice already so I think that probably played a bit of a part that he was like I'm just gonna like fight with my back to the cage because I can fight just as well he can't hurt me and it protects from the takedown essentially. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good point. I hadn't I hadn't properly thought about it um, from that point of view, but that that certainly um, makes sense as well. But a pretty comprehensive uh, win for Adesanya. I mean, there's not there's not a lot too much more we can say. You know, good for Adesanya to get back down to middleweight. Um, good win, not his best win, but um, he also feels like someone who who sort of raises his performance level against relative to the to the to the level of threat that, that he faces and perhaps some of his best performances have come against um, some of his most sort of uh, dangerous opponents on paper at least um i mean for Adesanya, the the Whitaker fight seems like the obvious one next. Um, I mean, like there is no other fight. Yeah, like, there, there, there is there is no other fight. Whitaker deserved it before Vittori and now now after Vittori, Adesanya even like you had the champion calling out a challenger. Like when does that happen? Um, like there literally is no other fight at middleweight, and like whenever them two are ready, whenever suits both of them best, just get it done. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've I said this um, before. Uh, when when Whitaker beat um, when Whitaker beat Cannonier and basically well I guess maybe when he beat Cannonier and also probably when he beat Gastelum but um, I don't know what the the COVID policies are around in in Oceania but it would seem a, a stadium fight in in Australia or New Zealand would would be you know 
would make a hell of a lot of sense. I mean, it it sold a hell of a lot of tickets the first times, and if they're if they're you know opening up, which I think they are, um, I think that would make a hell of a lot of sense. Um, for Vittori, I mean, you know, there's plenty of contenders. I mean, Paolo Costa has recently pulled out of his fight. I mean, that's someone that could be an interesting um, proposition. You know the last two guys to, to lose to Adesanya at middleweight. But I mean, there's there's plenty of guys that he can mix it up with at middleweight. Uh, moving on to the co-main and yeah, the your your sort of, well, moment of the like, if you like, uh, moment of the night rather, um, something that you mentioned a bit. Um, Brandon Moreno defeating Davison Figueredo, flying in the face of our sort of uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty steadfast uh, well, guaranteed that, that, that we thought that, that Figueredo would get the job done. Um, we'll get on to, to, to figure, well, I guess I actually we'll get on to Moreno uh, in a bit, but I do want to talk about Figueredo a bit because there was obviously uh, weight cutting issues. Um, and, and, and I don't want to be the kind of person that just says, oh, it was, you know, Figueredo wasn't, you know, Figueredo didn't, didn't turn up. And if he did, he would have won because I think, as we'll get on to Moreno, did make a lot of impressive uh, adjustments, but he did look, he did look out of sorts in there, paral- you know, sort of paralysed, um, and he didn't really look particularly healthy, um, which is a shame. But uh, you know, putting that all aside, it was still a, a fantastic performance from from Brandon Moreno. Uh, yeah, I do like, I do, I do agree, and. On the night, on the first watch, that was kind of one of my primary takeaways, I'd say. Like, I really thought Figueredo really isn't in it here. He doesn't look best. He has had the weight-cutting issues. That's probably affecting him. Um, However, I have watched it back since, and I think that that's kind of, like, bumped down on my list of, like, reasons why the fight played out. On a second watch, like, noticing kind of, like, the improvements that Moreno made, I think that that was far more significant than Figueredo just being off. I think that Moreno came in looking absolutely fantastic. And whilst I would say that Figueredo might not have quite been at his best, I think by the second, I think it was first round, especially he, he was coming, he was looking like, I think comparisons like this have been made before, but Figueredo is a bit like a a flyweight Romero. And the first round, especially looked kind of similar to before he got hurt at least similar to say like Whitaker Romero too. Figueredo really was kind of like not doing much kind of frozen by the well, jab. I mean seven seven strikes to 25 in that first round yeah um so yeah like really not doing much but I think by the second round he'd kind of I think it was more kind of like I suppose like I don't know, just like he had to get over that first round. And then I think in the second and third round, like it was second was mostly grappling, but in the like on the feet, he looked fairly what I'd expect Figueredo to look like, to be honest. I think he'd gotten over kind of the first round. Um, and Moreno was still too much for him, even then. Um, so yeah, I think that all props go to Brandon Moreno for that. And but with the kind of little bit of the asterisk of like Figueredo is really struggling to make her weight and might need to go up. Yeah. I, I, th- I generally think I would be, uh, I mean, we'll see what he wants to do. You, well, I don't know whether a, a, an immediate sort of trilogy is warranted, especially after the, the way that this fight went out, but I would probably be surprised if Figueredo hangs around at 125 any longer because I think even going to 135 seems a, a pretty big task for him so um, you know not having to cut those extra 10 pounds to 125 probably is needed but as you say yeah props have got to go to Moreno I mean the boxing was just amazing in that first round I mean you know you're not going to be short of good boxing training good boxing sparring in Mexico oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and he certainly made the most of that he he was just you know the combos were there I think it was so clear to see as you say you know if you're going to use that sort of Romero um, type comparison with with Figueredo you know Mure- Figueredo sort of firing that sort of one and two shots Moreno was piecing together some lovely combos right from the get-go and 
and and and and I think you know, as you say, the the weight was an issue, but I think he was just he was paralyzed. He just he, he just you know he was just stunned into inactivity because he he couldn't find a way to get in past sort of Moreno's combination, sort of um, you know heavy, high output, but also you know great accuracy and great effectiveness. You know, I didn't I didn't think Moreno was going to drop Figueroa, but he but he did. Um, you know, was 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 great on the ground um, in that second round, and then obviously getting. The finish in the third, it was, you know, when given that we were going in saying, I don't know how Moreno is going to get past this Figueredo, given how much damage he took. And we weren't sure if that he, there was any, you know, viable improvements he could make, whether he sort of maxed out talent. I mean, we were, we were proven wrong in, in, in quite the most emphatic fashion. No, I think like, I think, um, after the fight, Nanito Donaire tweeted that like he'd been working with um, Moreno, and you can like the improvements he's made in those six months were just astounding, to be honest. Um, like we talk about like how Figueredo looked off or looked frozen, and I think that I think the being dropped by the jab you can put in a way down to the weight cut, but the being frozen, especially upon the second watch, really looked to me like that he was just paralyzed by Moreno's jab because it was like amazing like <laughs> he was like triple jabbing up tripling up on the jab like mixing in feints with committed jabs that like Figueredo just really had a tough time trying to like set his own range like there were times that you could see Figueredo like coming trying to like edge in like he does to try and um kind of land one of his counters and then he just like he thinks he's at a safe range and then Moreno can just get him with the jab. Um, and then, yeah, it was just like, yeah, Figueredo wasn't able to pressure like he was in the last fight or in all, pretty much all of his previous fights, really. Um, and yeah, the combo work, like the mixing up levels with the combo, like going head, body, head, body, leg, or like just going up and down, like working the whole body. And it was, yeah, it was fantastic um, from Moreno. And then, as you said, the grappling at the end, like the takedown, the, um, the takedown before the finish was lovely. <laughs> like the kind of Figueredo did kind of like twist into it, which allowed Moreno to take the back, but the back take, like he jumped on that and it was very slick and, and got the finish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, overall, a fantastic performance from Moreno, I think. Yeah, no, and um, certainly one that you know you mentioned the the post fight scenes. One that I was I was very happy to be proven uh, wrong. You know, first Mexican um, is it Mexican born UFC champion? Is that, is that how they were framing born. it? Because I think that they have to they can't say first Mexican because I think Cain Velasquez would be very annoyed. At yeah. Um, so I think they're saying he's like Mexican born and raised or something like that. Cause I think Kane was born in America. Yeah. Well, certainly, um, you know, got the, got the submission sort of walked around sort of nonchalantly. And then I, and I think it all sort of like sunk in sunk and it in, was yeah. all, it was all very emotional, but yeah, amazing for him. Um, interesting to see what happens next. I mean, I think, I think I've been seeing that sort of Askar Askar probably seems like the next guy um, in contention. He had a great win against uh, Joseph Benavidez, but there is there is probably the option of a trilogy down the line if Figueredo stays at flyweight and and to be honest that seems a big if that probably should be a should be a a, a solid no from from him and and his and his team. I think it's a tough one for Figueredo um, because I like I don't know like what he's kind of like currently got going on in the minute in terms of like a nutritionist, but if he can like and really get the weight cut on point, I think he's got much better chances at flyweight than he does at bantamweight. So I understand why he would want to stay at flyweight because, like, I think that he would, even though he is struggling with the cut, I think he would be undersized at bantamweight, and I think he matches up not very nicely with Jan, um, who would be presumably yeah. at a certain point probably someone he will face. Um, for the title, someone he will certainly have to be to get to the title. So. Yeah, because he because he he came in, uh, well, obviously missed weight in that first Joseph Benavidez fight, and then for the second one, I, I distinctly remember um, it being reported that he you know got his weight under control. He'd come into um, you know come into the final week with only sort of ten pounds to shed, and he'd been sort of not living the life because you know I'm sure he does, but um, in terms of having having a better sort of nutritional. Uh, plan for his camp to get himself arriving at fight week at a, at a sort of 
cuttable weight and and i don't know i don't know whatever went awry this week but um i'm, I'm sure there'll be some conversation certainly as to his future 125 but we'll see and uh and yeah best of luck for brandon moreno in in, in his first defense whoever that may be against um right we'll move down to the final five rounder really scheduled five rounder um of the evening Leon Edwards Nate Diaz and and Jack you know what fair play because you absolutely hit, hit the nail on the head you know <laughs> Leon Edwards he he is he's had you know four and a half rounds of quality you know outpointing Nate Diaz and all he'll be remembered for is two minutes at the end when he when he was hanging on for dear life I mean yeah. <laughs> the poor basically basically sums up Leon Edwards's last sort of two years is is you know a five round win against Nate Diaz doesn't even you know basically go doesn't even go down as a win because you know yeah. he's not allowed to be wobbled for the last two minutes or be oh. trying to hold on when he's won the, the first four rounds yeah no I said it was like a really tough fight for Leon Edwards to look good in and that was like <laughs> that turned out to be more true than I could have imagined really um like because realistically yeah he was beating the brakes off of Nate Diaz for 23 24 minutes <laughs> but then as you said he gets um he gets caught with one left hand and like he's on skates and that's pretty much like you've even got like official ESPN like accounts tweeting all under Stockton rules or whatever like <laughs> <laughs> and oh, the yeah, unbelievable, really. Um, and yeah, I really did feel bad for Leon Edwards for that. Although it, that comes kind of with the criticism of at some point you've really kind of got to step up and really like if you're if you've got Leon Edwards style where you've and you but you kind of know that you do fade a little bit down the stretch. You've really sometimes got like you have to really put it to people and try and finish them, especially where you're outmatching them so much like he was in this fight. Um, that I think there is a criticism of Leon there that he didn't really try and push it and go for the finish. Um, he did kind of coast. And I think that is a tendency within him. Um, yeah. yeah like, other, other than that, it was fantastic. Like he really did like dominate Nate for most of like, he got Nate really face like fighting against type Nate was looking for kind of like singular big moments, which like for the first four rounds, I was like, oh, that's not going to work out for Nate. That's not how Nate fights. That isn't his kind of route to success. That I was wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Nate was having to fight like a puncher, which he isn't really, but apparently he might also be. Um, so no, yeah, Leon like looked very good um, generally, like did all the right things. Um and even like had those like cool kind of like tie foot sweep things where he dumped Nate and like there are very few moments where Nate Diaz will like congratulate an opponent and like give him a thumbs up or say good job. But he like I think Leon got two of those in this fight, which like yeah. really volumes. Um so that that was quite cool, but also like <laughs> in like insane at the end really yeah the the diaz brand is just unbreakable yeah. i mean he's 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 come off the uh you know a 49 46 unanimous decision but the sort of general conversation around him is is, is as if he's just like shocked shocked the world and you know <laughs> beaten kamara usman for the belt or something it's it's yeah. it's remarkable but yeah i mean a good good performance from edwards i mean i don't, I don't really know where he goes from here he Probably isn't going to get the title shot. It looks like that's going to go to <laughs> so unfortunate. I, I think if he's not going to get the if he's not going to get the uh, the title fight, I don't know whether he sits it out. If there's a guarantee that he gets the winner, I mean, something like a Masvidal fight is something that there is a backstory behind, and I also feel like is favourable for him. But it, but I, I, I sort of feel like I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's in this sort of Diaz camp to the same extent. But I don't know whether a similar thing could happen where it's difficult for him to come out of a Masvidal fight, like positively. I don't know, but um, it'll be interesting to see um, what he does. But as you say, I think, um, I think there is a tendency to coast um, in these fights, and I still. 
don't know to what extent he's genuinely been pushed. I mean, yeah, those sort of last two minutes were, you know, tricky and he had to survive. But we're talking sort of, you know, from 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 the offset at least, he was sort of, he could sort of comfortably settle into his rhythm. And I don't know how well that that sets him up for a potential fight against Covington or or Usman, whereby he's he's gonna be, you know, from from minute one is is gonna have to, you know, really, you know, be on it and, and he's gonna have a lot of a lot of stuff coming his way. So interesting one for Edwards. Um I'm sorry, was it was there anything more you wanted to yeah, add? Uh, well I'd say like kind of in that regards, like in terms of matchmaking, I think, yeah, either a Masvidal fight or even, to be honest, like, I don't think Covington deserves a rematch with Usman yet. Like, like I don't know. I'm just not particularly interested in that. So I, I would prefer, honestly, maybe Edwards Covington and then, say, like, Wonderboy Usman. Like, I think Wonderboy is more deserving of a title shot to me than Covington is. Um, so that's probably how I'd matchmake it. Um, but obviously, I don't get a say. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, Edwards kind of like with potential matchups. I think that he does struggle in that he in like in fights where he is controlling the pace, he can all he can fade, which like you really can't be doing that. Like if you're setting the pace, you've got to be able to keep that up and you've got to be able to put enough damage on your opponent to sometimes get the finish. Um so I don't know. I think that Usman would really he'd struggle against Usman. Usman would not let him settle in and he would not let him settle in and would be able to put damage on him as well. I think against Covington I think Covington would try and take the fight to him but I think that I think Edwards would I think Edwards would have much more success against Covington where I think he can control the fight even if Colby's constantly trying to make him work I think that he'll just he's better in most phases to the point that I think that after kind of an initial barrage from Colby he can kind of settle into his own pace a little bit where he I think because I think he's generally the better grappler and the better striker and can control Covington in most situations so I think it would be it'd be interesting, but I'd still favour Edwards against Covington. But most of the interest I had in Edwards against Usman has kind of faded. Well, we will see, and hopefully, uh, for his sake, we'll be talking about some of those fights um, when they're announced, and and hopefully when they come to fruition, maybe in the later or the latter rather part of this year. Um, Bilal Mohammed, um, Damian Meyer. Uh, I not, I'm not sure how much time you want to spend on this, um, but uh, a, a fairly routine victory for 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 Bilal Muhammad, you know, was able to 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 not get sort of dragged into Damien Wilde's Damien Myers' world um, all too frequently, or at least for for too long at once, and and was able to seal for a pretty comfortable decision. Yeah, um, I think that. Like obviously this wasn't like there's not much to talk about here, but I would just say like shout out to Bilal Mohammed for um kind of he I think he understood Maya's game quite well is like the main thing. He like kind of scouted him and game planned for him well because a lot of people when Maya grabs a single leg, like um you'll see people kind of often sprawl on it or which is a lot of the time what Maya wants. Um like Maya if you kind of sprawl, he'll kind of push you to the cage with it and then kind of start playing his half guard game. But Edwards kind of like really, I think was very well drilled in the type of takedowns Maya wanted and the type of defense that allowed him to not get sucked into the game at all. Um, And then like, and you could see that as like, as the fight wore on, it was starting to really wear on Maya and uh, Mohammed was starting to take over like, and, put some damage on him towards the end of the fight. So, yeah, solid performance from Edwards. Uh, not Edwards, from Mohammed. Um, but, yeah, pretty yeah, cool. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that thing basically covered all the points well. I mean, and now we get on to my man ending, <laughs> opening the opening the main card, but, but ending, I guess, this main card discussion. You know, D- Damien Meyer, okay, might be his last fight, but don't worry, Brazil. We have got your next... You know, he's not Brazilian, but you know he he uh, <laughs> he he is he is the jiu-jitsu savant, the the light heavyweight guard puller 
Um, Paul Craig, he, he does it again somehow. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. It's just every fight of his is just bonkers in the best way possible. Um, I mean, defeats Jamal Hill technically by arm, technically by armbar, sort of, or you know, breaking Jamal Hill's arm and the rest of <laughs> stopping the fight quite late. Um, the the <laughs> the image of him just sort of slapping a sort of floppy Jamal Hill left hand that's been sort of <laughs> long broken is just one of those images that will 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 forever stay with me. I mean. You know, what, what more can you say? Just he just lures you into his world, pulls guard, and and no one seems to be able to come out alive. Yeah, like I was surprised. Like looking at it now, one minute fifty nine into the fight, I was surprised how quick that happened. Like really, <laughs> like it felt longer um, <laughs> whilst I was watching it live. But like no, um, he really essentially immediately pulled guard, um, and then yeah, got to work. And I do enjoy Paul Craig, and I'm very glad that he kind of gets a run at the like bad grapplers at 205 and he can just like play a game from 2005 <laughs> basically um but no good fun he is dangerous on the ground um but at the top echelon of mma um people shouldn't be getting submitted when someone's pulled guard on <laughs> i feel like there's a really nasty beat down coming his way at some point <laughs> oh, it's got to be must... like, like i'm looking and i'm just like how how is he above jimmy crew in the rankings like how has this happened but you know i, I i'll be you know intrigued and i will i will always be cheering uh my scottish, oh, always. My scottish boy on because he is just you know a, a cracking figure and such a such a a rarity you know in all these in in a in an era that is not 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 entirely but you know you think of a lot of the champions and it is so much about the the diversity and and the, and the sort of breadth and depth of your of of the talents across all the sort of disciplines to have a guy that's just like no 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 I'm going to pull guard a minute into this fight and I'm going to beat you. It's just refreshing in a very bizarre sense. Yeah. Um, I do. I do really like Paul Craig and I will support him whenever, <laughs> whenever he fights. But as you said, um, there's something bad coming his way probably. Um, but yeah, who knows? Um, yeah. Hopefully you can get it done. Oh, keep, certainly. Keep surging up the rankings. Come on, it's, it's it's not it's not not too far away from him armbar armbarring Yamblahovic for that for that title. We can all dream what scenes they would be, but no, also like just for like in terms of how he fights. But also, Paul Craig seems like a solid guy, and yeah. I don't know if you saw kind of after, um, like because Paul Craig got the fight night bonus. I think that Jamal Hill and Paul Craig like went to a club after this, and uh, Paul Craig bought him drinks all night. Basically, I did not uh, see which that. Which is quite cool. You like think, oh, I broke your broken arm, got me fifty k, so I'll buy you a few drinks. Lovely. That <laughs> is that is cracking stuff. Um, right to, to return to some sort of semblance of of seriousness. Um, we shall move to the prelims and. The uh, rightly so, the fight of the night. I did have to double check. Uh, Brad Riddell drew Dober. I mean, we 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 pointed it out beforehand. It was it was pretty easy for most people to see that that this was going to entertain. I mean, the sort of Southport orthodox, the Dober left hand versus the Riddell sort of pullback right hand. I mean, it all just sort of combined together um, to produce an absolute barnstorm of a fight for for all of fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, it was really like early. It was really interesting, especially early on, kind of the way this played out. I think you could see that um, Dober is certainly the kind of more athletic of the two. He was a lot quicker and hit a lot harder. And the straight left was early on was like money for Dober. Like he hurt uh, Riddell significantly a number of times. Um, landing the straight left. But I think that you then saw kind of Riddell's experience coming in and towards the latter half of the first round and then like spattered throughout the fight, like, because it really was kind of like a dynamic that played out at multiple different points, um, kind of coming in waves, which is like 
it's they're the kind of generally the best kind of fights. You get big momentum shifts and each slightly adapting their things that will work in the moment, and they're always the fun fights. But I think you saw Riddell generally had a bit more depth, and when and kind of when he could kind of extend Dober in exchanges, he would start to get the better of him and start to kind of like have the final say in kind of more deep and extended exchanges. And also his body punching started to play kind of a bit of a bit of an effect as well. I think um, that kind of slow or like slowed, yeah, the forward pressure and momentum of uh, Dover a little bit as well. But yeah, overall, a brilliant fight. Yeah, what I um, what I really love about Riddell, you mentioned it there, is is, the, is those adjustments. I think I haven't got it on me, but I think a lot of his um, decision victories have been sort of 29, 28, whereby yeah. he's, you know, not taking the first round off, but you know he's not. He's 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 taking the first round to sort of you know analyze the data and and you know in some fights he's he's struggled. You know Dober pieced together some good shots. Had had Riddell you know um, wobbled. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like he's just sort of you know comfortably winning. Uh, but he is so good at coming back in those in that sort of second and third rounds um, and making sort of small adjustments and. And, and being able to, to grind out really good wins, but a cracking performance. And I'm, I'm not sure really either man's stock has, has, has gone down. That sort of um, pool of talent just, just sitting outside the, uh, sitting outside or just on the fringes of the rankings in lightweight is, uh, is, is really something to behold. And, and there's just so many good fights. Yeah. But yeah, completely, yeah, I sign off on all that basically. Like, and it is weird, I suppose, like how. Riddell is able to adapt in fights that are generally like almost always very high paced. Like he kind of is able to make those reads in very chaotic fights, which is um, very nice as well. Just a, a small extra point. Um, but yeah, like lightweight is difficult to match make badly, really. Like lightweight and featherweight, so many good fighters in those divisions that um, whoever you put together is going to make going to make good fights really um so yeah both guys came out looking fairly decent and yeah excited for both of them going forward although i will say that i think that Riddell has a bit of a especially kind of being like he had a, a quite a long kickboxing career i think he's got a bit of a ceiling on him and that he will be a good action fighter probably a top 10 fighter but i don't know how high he could go really we will see in the coming months and years. Uh, I mean, just to wrap up sort of two, six, three discussion. I mean, Eric Anders, Darren Stewart played out a pretty uh, uninteresting um, oh, fight. Yeah. <laughs> Anders <laughs> oh, winning um, by an unanimous decision. Just, uh, it was funny that it was just like completely the opposite of their first fight. That was just wild, <laughs> like from start to finish. Um, but oh, a terrible fight, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not Lauren Murphy, Joanne Calderwood, um, the classic women's flyweight uh, split decision, 29-28. Lauren Murphy getting the win uh, based on, I think it was a first and, no, second and third round she might have won. I can't remember exactly, but she um, will probably go on and fight Valentina. I mean, any, any chance of an upset? Um, No. Not no, <laughs> I mean, basically, I, th- I don't. I don't think either of these two would have posed a, a significant threat, and and certainly that performance was not anything that that made me reconsider that. Uh, last one, I guess. Although I'll give a quick shout out to Chase Hooper, still losing uh, to awful strikers that are picked for him. Uh, I think Stephen Peterson had a eighteen and nine record uh, before this fight. Uh, I guess a quick shout out to. Evluev Dawadu opening up the card, which we did give a quick shout out to uh, last week. Um, two guys that are sort of highly touted on the sort of fringes of the featherweight rankings. Good win for Evluev. Um, although I thought Dawadu certainly in in that uh, third round didn't do his his um, his his stock any damage no. uh, with uh, his with his performance. Yeah, I thought actually. Um... I mean, like obviously everyone won, but kind of like my more interest in watching this fight was kind of how Dowdu managed to turn it around. And I think that kind of through a mixture of 
pressuring more in the last round and combination punching he allowed like managed to allow him to push forward which kind of made Evloev telegraph his shots more and then also kind of punching the combinations and especially going to the body kind of late as well made I think Evloev a bit more hesitant to press in and just like unable to press past a body shot which he was able to do when Daudu was swinging more trying to counter it at the head earlier on in the fight but um yeah, good win, but like that shows like body shots are very useful against wrestlers, and more people should use them in that respect. Um, so yeah, I think honestly, I think that both men come out looking fairly decent. Yeah, certainly. So I mean, that that basically concludes two six three. I mean, as we've sort of demonstrated by how deep our discussion's gone, you know, a, a, a very sort of um, packed card, sort of. From the from the prelims all the way up to the main event, and certainly some some very high points in there. Um, I mean, for the last sort of, I guess five ten minutes, uh, we'll briefly turn our attention to um, the card on the weekend. UFC Vegas twenty nine. Um, although I imagine they might be slowly beginning to to move out of Vegas in the coming uh, weeks and months. I mean, I'll be honest. There's not a lot on this card that, that is particularly <laughs> taking my fancy. Uh, I mean, maybe we'll get to the, uh, to the main event in a bit, but well, I said a bit uh, very shortly, but anything other than that main event that is, that's particularly uh, interesting to you. Um, Matt Brown kind of coming back, although he's not very like, he's kind of a shell of himself recently, but I do like classic Matt Brown and he did show, some of it in the Baeza fight and Condit fight. I'm actually struggling to remember, to be honest, um, which is not very good. But um, like he he fights well in spurts still, so maybe look for an interesting first round from Matt Brown. Um, and then what we were talking off talking about off here is the Marlon Vera Davy Grant fight, um, which to our surprise is a rematch <laughs> that we had no idea about. And Davy Grant won the first one. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, no, a, uh, a Durham boy. Uh, he is on a, on a, on a, on a very good um, three-fight win streak. Uh, KO over Martin Day, and then a very impressive uh, knockout of Jonathan Martinez, who'd previously beaten Thomas Almeida. Uh, so he comes into this on on his certainly the best the best run of his UFC uh, career and comes off against sort of Marlon Vera that has been um, bouncing up and down as uh, again as we were talking about off air you know um, fought Sean O'Malley then sort of got the got the Jose Aldo fight straight after that which okay maybe isn't a, a top ranked contender but that was certainly I think that was Aldo's first fight after losing the losing the title fight against Petty. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so actually I, I take, take that back. So only was against a high ranked opponent, but then sort of settles down uh, to David Grant, who I don't although, think is on the rankings. Although that being said before that fight, Aldo hadn't had a win at bantamweight, which is, this is very strange consider, but you know, whatever it works out, it's Aldo and he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So um, it'd be an interesting one. I mean, um, David Grant is certainly, um, as, he, as again, as we said off air, made a made a name for himself. For, uh, we really should actually start recording this this off air stuff, but made Might, a name yeah. for himself uh, <laughs> with with some flashy KOs in in recent performances. Um, I don't know how well that's going to work against Garland Marlon Vera, who is um, a very tough. Um, very he, you imagine he will pressure lead forward. You know, does 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 some great work in the clinch. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if if Davy Grant can. Uh, can go two up against Marlon Vera, or will he uh, avenge that 2016 loss? Um, elsewhere, Julian Arosa, Sung Woo Choi uh, could be an interesting scrap of featherweight, and you know, featherweight normally does provide some good ones. Uh, a Linux windmills are back at it in the co-main <laughs> event versus Sergey Spivak. I'm not entirely sure why or how he's still going. Uh, he he recently lost to Derek Lewis, and then uh, to Chris Dorcas uh, expect this to be the fight that he wins so he sort of doesn't get to dangerous getting cut territory and still sort of mixes it around at the sort of lower end of 
pretty bog standard UFC heavyweight. Um, he comes up against Sergei Spivak, who is, um, well, one, two of his last fights will be against Carlos Felipe and Jared Vandera. So take of that what you will. I'm not quite sure why it's co-maining, but... Um, <laughs> I never will be sure why they put heavyweights so high on the card. That, that is, that is, uh, that's, that, that is a thing. Uh, and then I guess we get to the main event, Korean Zombie versus Dan Ige. Korean Zombie coming off uh, the pretty disappointing, uh, I imagine he'll see it as a pretty disappointing performance against Brian Ortega, in which he was, was comfortably uh, outpointed over 25 minutes. And Dan Ige coming, off, coming in off uh, a really helpful fight that we can really learn a whole lot of. Uh, a, how long was it? 22-second uh, victory over Gavin Tucker. I mean, Ige has, has mixed it up with um, Barbosa and Cater. Uh, so sort of more more sort of elite competition, if you like. The Barbosa one, I think he he won, but was, was quite fortunate to win perhaps. And the Calvin Cater one, he was sort of comfortably um, outclassed across 25 minutes. I, I guess, is it is it a case of... Um, sort of maybe returning to um, sort of Ferguson, Dariush, the, the, the ongoing Ferguson conversation, you know, that, that Korean zombie that we saw against Ortega certainly did not look like the Korean zombie uh, we had seen. Uh, he is now, you know, thir- how old is he? 34, but has been in a fair few wars. Uh, is it a case of if the best Korean zombie turns up, he should be too much for Dan Ige? Um. Probably. I think that it's probably closer than maybe the Ferguson Dariush would have been. I think yeah. that um, Danny Ige does offer some kind of threat to him, and especially kind of like we've seen in his last fight, he's fairly dangerous early on, Can is a decent counter-puncher, and kind of... So yeah, it will kind of like depend yeah, how it works out, what how Korean Zombie turns up. Um but it could be kind of a bit of a battle of um, both men wanting to counterpunch here. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works out. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I've, I've uh, at some points in Dan Ige's career, I've been, I've been quite impressed with, with some of his um, stuff. Um, But another time I've just wondered about his ability to, to game plan effectively, um, especially against, you know, some of those guys I mentioned. Um, and I just wonder whether he might run into to similar problems um, against a guy like Corinne Zombie. But, you know, there is, there is that, that performance against Ortega that, that does sort of weigh on me in terms of that. That really was a, a particularly um, concerning performance. He really didn't get a whole lot off. Um, but I, I do expect Korean Zombie to be better. Um, and I think his his overall game and, and just his sort of experience at the top uh, level probably gets in the edge for me. But I guess um, I think I think you are right in saying that it, it is perhaps um, closer than than just simply saying if if Korean Zombie is back to you know most of his best, then then this should be comfortable for him. Yeah, I think yeah, it'll be an interesting fight. Um that we'll probably definitely have more to say about in retrospect. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know how high necessarily kind of like the title ramifications are for this one. Um, I don't really see, like there isn't that clear a path necessarily for either man to a title if he wins. Um, I don't know like how well they'd match up against anyone above this if they win so um in a way that's taken a bit of interest off of it for me um but still you never know basically (laughs) one could come out and look massively improved and look very impressive um and we could be talking about them in a number one contender fight next possibly yeah we will we will see but i mean i think I'm hopeful, given you know what we said about featherweight matchups, that I think this this hopefully should should fail to disappoint from that point of view, regardless of of how the matchup plays out. But yeah. as you say, I think uh, it'll be one to 
to analyze more profusely um next week when we uh well when we know what happens and 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 see how those sort of intangibles uh, map out um any any other sort of last minute um nuggets of analysis you'd like to drop on on this um, not really in terms of analysis i can't remember if it was this week or last week um well i know last week we actually missed clarissa shields debuted in mma and she looked um about as good as you'd expect someone with like six months of grappling to look real. I mean, honestly, better to be honest. Um, yeah, she's had like six months of grappling and she managed to using a mixture of her physicality and kind of like toughness and kind of will to win to kind of tough her way through and manage to win in a fight that she was that was not going away for a lot of the fight. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how she continues to improve, but she needs a long time. Um, but she's like 26 she's still very young so she's got time um so yeah that was interesting i think it happened at some point i don't know but uh overeem has gone back to glory he'll be he'll be kickboxing again so um i don't know how strict glory's um drug testing is but <laughs> if not uh we might see the return of Uberim. Yeah, back quite interesting juice. yeah so get back on the horse meat um over him and yeah that could be that could be some fun lovely stuff well we can we can look forward to that um i think i think those sort of um undeserved unwarranted allegations of of drug abuse are, are, are a fitting way to uh <laughs> to, to call into the podcast I mean, they're, they're not bad at like for over him they're not allegations really because he did test positive and like yes this is really high this profile is so we're not saying he's done it again but like Talking in that, I think we can get away with that. That's fine. Definitely. Um, well, yeah, as I said, we will draw today's episode to a close. Um, next week, we'll be back probably for a shorter episode um, to preview, uh, well, sorry, sorry, to review all the fights that we just talked about there. To look forward to Cyril Gan Alexander Volkov uh, happening next That's week, right. which probably serves as a a number one contender with the proviso of Miocic or Jones not returning ahead of schedule. And there's also Tim Elliott, uh, Renato Mocano, Jai Hayabur, which is a fun one. Um, Rioni Barcelos, who we've been Ooh, sort of eagerly, on. <laughs> eagerly awaiting his return. Andre Feely is always good for a, a fun scrap. So there's, there's stuff to dig our teeth into, but we'll save most of that for next week. So um, with all that being said, thank you for listening. Um, stay safe everyone as ever and uh, we'll see you then see ya Purple Radio Podcasts thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast for more great content and to listen live head to purpleradio.co.uk